Well, tonight we're going to watch a Whitney Houston documentary from last year. I think it was around the middle of last year when it came out. And, you know, it's just nice to watch documentaries because you can you can kind of watch with your own eyes the the temptations of the world once you get into fame and fortune and or a very highly refined skill like singing her voice was so beautiful and and she starts off really with uh, very strong christian roots a very strong church on the east coast and part of the choir and part of the whole church culture and and even with parents at the beginning that are kind of like watching who she's with and making sure she doesn't date anybody that they feel would be a bad influence and there's the watchful family influences there but um yeah you as she goes along she you know this movie is a kind of a contrast but it gives you uh a contrast to just how important spiritual support and spiritual nurturing is because she she doesn't really have that as her life goes on and then this the temptations of the world and the ego's world it's just there's so much of a lure and there's so many expectations tied in with it and there's um and of course the drugs and all the different things that this world has when people are lonely and searching for connection and uh, don't really have the signposts or the pointers and the nurturing to really go for that purpose. Uh, it kind of just shows how you know how it goes in the world, and and um, so it's you know if it wouldn't be matter if we were watching a documentary on Lady Diana or Whitney or all the things when you start to get into the those temptations it's just um you know you can you can really see it you can see it in her face you can just watch this movie for discernment as you go through this you can see when she's younger just the vibrancy and you can feel the spirit pouring through so strong and then when the ego kind of gets a hold of it you know it it you know this is a documentary so it's it really has a lot of footage that shows a lot of things behind the scenes and you can just see how those temptations are are laid out there. And um, it just felt like a good uh, teaching movie for that, since we're always working on discernment. Um, this is when you find a, a person like Whitney and going through it, and then <clears throat> she, she did that movie uh, with Kevin Costner, The Bodyguard, and that kind of launched her even higher up into like a stardom, but that the the disconnection, I think, grew even stronger the more that uh, the fame grew. So, however the Spirit's going to use you in your life, in your special function, you know, it's always good to have these kind of teaching movies just to be very clear on on the temptations of the world. Almost like a, this is more like a boot camp training film. <laughs> and we do have a lot of those. We we showed that Michael Moore movie that was pretty strong uh, recently. But this this has got some pretty strong points in it too. So so we will pause it if there's something that really comes through, and then if I'm sure at the end we'll uh, have the 
the roving mic. Soren has it, whether it's for questions, comments during the movie, or for discussion afterwards. We're prepared for to record this and share it on Spreaker so we can share the blessings for, for the whole sonship. So just enjoy. Here we go. So we've got family secrets, and the guy, the brother, told us that's that's not going to work. And then, um, then you put on lots, heaps, and heaps of fame, which is a huge distraction. And then what Jesus called this is the ego's most boasted gift. He even calls it a gift at one point, sarcastically, and then a weapon. But um, yeah, this is this is like the ego's hope for completely blotting out heaven is to put a substitute for love in place, which is really just codependency. But but if you take that, all those disturbances and the secrets and the, all the family and then all that money and fame and and the families all on the the uh, payroll, and, uh, and then you throw this, this is like the, this is like the thing that seals the defense for the ego, really sends the mind off into craziness, because it's, it's like trying to trade an, a false identity for a better false identity of hope that, that will pull you out of the darkness and the sadness and the emptiness and so, yeah, this is this movie is really a good um, teaching device for just showing you, you know, how you can like lose your soul, as they say, you know, selling out to and following the ego. And um, we haven't got to the drugs part yet. That's just another one on top of it. But I think it's just the emotions. If you look at at the emotions that are going on, he's getting. Arrested, and she's like saying, "Oh, come, come on tour." You know, it's like this. There's an extreme neediness that's there. That's that's masquerading as love, and it's like that's where the mind just really starts to flip out. So yeah, it's we'll keep going here. But as you can see, it's this is the special love relationship on full display. In living color. Yeah, I liked the line. Well, liked. Well, liked, quote unquote. She stepped down <laughs> to lift him up. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah, it was like a trade off, yeah. Yeah. Okay. a good movie to dig down into the emotions if there's anything down there that needs to come up. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, it just makes you have an appreciation for purpose. You saw toward the end of her life just that little glimmer how the spark came back when she got in, had that purpose. But, you know, again, how easy it is to slip 
to let it slip away. But uh, yeah, seems like she just got very isolated and lonely in her life, and then even her relationship with her daughter and her husband, uh, yeah, it was a very kind of lonely, disconnected feeling. Also, it's interesting how the past repeats, but with her uh, parents divorcing when she was young and feeling that sense of hurt over that, she almost seemed to take a vow, like, I'm going to make up for that. And then going through the whole thing, the special relationship was when she finally divorced Bobby, it was, I have failed, I have failed. But there's these ideals, these beliefs in the mind that are all just interpretations of trying to make something right in this world and trying to play things out and live up to these really ego ideals that don't really have anything to do with with joy or peace or happiness at all. But um, she seemed to really be playing something out there with Bobby Brown and then... Um, yeah, just with her kind of falling into the special love relationship trap and then and then spiraling down, you know, in what seemed to be a very uh, unhappy marriage. Like the marriage was used more for like a, an escape, trying to escape something instead of uh, being taken towards holiness. So, yeah, it's... Quite a, quite a full-blown picture, just acted out. A lot of the things we talk about, about the private thoughts and secrets. It was a, a, one of her brothers right away saying, you know, there's so many secrets. But secrets are meant to be exposed, to be released, and when they're hidden and protected, then that's what he was saying. You can't do that. I think even Frank was saying that was something that's a, such a big part of uh, 12 Steps. Tra transparency and exposure. That if you don't expose, then you go back to the the alcohol, drinking, and just, just goes, you go back to the escapism attempt. So that was made pretty clear in this movie. You could just see it time and time again. So we have our microphone. Anybody feels to <laughs> to share anything, open up what you felt if you were touched and touched some places inside of you. And we see this and see that starting off with those Baptist roots, but yeah, how grateful we are for the Course. <laughs> Every time I see one of these, <laughs> you, to get it straight, to get it clear, then it's just a matter of, well, okay, I've got no excuse now, I have to apply it, I have to live it. But 
Yeah. Yeah, Melissa. Um, when um, they were asking, I think it was Bobby on the interview about the drug. Let's talk about that. Like, no, no, we already talked about Witness Houston, so denial. And denial is what I recognize in myself that I've, like, I have been noticing deeper layers of denial. And like I even noticed when you started talking um, and like, you know, notice the distractions of the world. And I noticed that I went into like, no, no, not me, not me. I don't want to get distracted by the, and then I saw that I'm like, oh my gosh, like I am stopping myself from even being open and hearing just like right there. And and exposing this, um, like with the the whole, um, I'm shaking, with um, the commitment question. Like at the beginning, like I went, like yes, this is I, this is my life, this is what I want to do, and it still is. I just don't know the form, but I, I've I've been seeing that I've been in a lot of denial. And with myself, myself, and of course, I. What it's gonna come out, you know, it's gonna come out from that same denial. So, yeah, it's just giving. I mean that. It feels like be courageous to me too. Just to stay truth, stay open to whatever it will be, and that it's okay. But my my sense of wanting to be safe and accepted and love, it's it's been doing what I think others are expecting of me to do. So that's what 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 has been lifting up. Yeah, and I know you mentioned a while back too that that sexual abuse um, idea, and certainly um, in this movie, the way that they portrayed this movie and Aunt Bay, and oh, she had an idyllic childhood, and there was nothing wrong. You know, she was even cutting off uh, the interviewer to emphasize, you know, to emphatically state there was an idyllic childhood. No, no, no. There was nothing there, and and I think that's kind of symbolic of the of the sense of the past of trying to. Uh, this whole world was made by a denial of love, this whole cosmos, and a pushing that out. Not only pushing the love and the light out of awareness, but pushing the darkness, pushing the separation in the mind playing games and tricks get with distractions on the surface because it's afraid to look within. There's even a section in the course, the fear to look within. There's those obstacles to peace, you know, the fear of God's love, the, the fourth obstacle 
And there's all those dynamics. I mean, there's there are spiritualities throughout history. Some of them, uh, you know, kind of hint at things. And then even uh, like L. Ron Hubbard, Scientology, you know, talks a lot about the unconscious and having to raise things up. That's we know this from psychology now, and and so on and so forth. But even in the mainstream, it's so much of a of a, a focus, oftentimes on the distractions. Even in the conversations, the daily conversations of the world, talking about what Shakespeare called "much ado about nothing." It's like the cover up. But um, yeah, it's it is important to to look at the denial, and because some memories are are horrific and. They are pushed out of awareness, and everything that's been pushed down has to be allowed up. And uh, even at one point in Helen Schuckman's life, she oftentimes would get these, before the Course came, these psychic dreams, and then she started dreaming in color, and then getting all these messages before she started having that, that stream of thoughts, this is a Course in Miracles, please take notes. But there was one point in her life where she she saw these uh, blazing letters and they were all in fire and uh, it really got her attention and and what was the message of the blazing letters that were in fire was never underestimate the power of denial and that's what Jesus was coming through with letters of fire even for Helen Schuckman the scribe so it's it really is quite the thing. It is quite courageous, but it's quite the thing to to dedicate your life to the full transparency and the full exposure of everything that was denied. Because that's where the healing comes in. And then you just notice how the mind is got certain idols and certain things, like a corral of things in the world that it, it doesn't want exposed. He wants to protect those. It doesn't want to to see through those things. It doesn't want to see the lie. And uh, there's a huge amount of mind energy that goes into denial, but just allowing these things to come up, even as uncomfortable as they are, then that's that's a part of the healing. It's It is uncomfortable when you go through the darkness to the light, it's not something that should be glossed over or to put something sweet around that to try to make it all sound sweet. And those that have tried to just affirm their way back um, to, to God without facing, you know, what lies beneath or what has been pushed away, you know, they also are in for a rude a startling experience when the these dark thoughts and dark beliefs, dark emotions, you know, break back into awareness. So that's that's really one of the reasons why we watch these kind of movies. We would call this a mind watcher because it's not like the movie is designed with any kind of uh, there wasn't actually strong symbols in there of a spiritual support or of deep metaphysics or anything like that. It's just uh, watching a character 
instead of a character transformation, it's more of like a, a character uh, going down, dis descending into hell and into to, into death. You know, it's a, it's exposing the death wish in a very raw way. So thank you for yeah daring to face these things because it's it truly is very important. It's not something that you want to just push away and then maybe revisit, you know, years down. She, she Whitney never really had that opportunity to, f to face some of these things, or she never t took those opportunities. Uh, she just got lured into the things, even, you know, God gave me this talent and and I'm, because I'm going to spread it all over the world, you know, it was almost a little bit of special favor mm -hmm. from God with this talent. And and yet that special favor kind of thing um, can be used by the ego to justify all kinds of things. You know, her saying, you know, I don't, I don't, don't tell me to stop because I like it. And I'll stop whenever I want to stop. And it's still that autonomy like... No, I can handle this. People tell me I'm playing with fire, but I can, I can handle this and not get burned. And yet, um, yeah, it's without really the willingness to go very deep and and, and heal. Then, yeah, oftentimes people just say, "Oh, I can handle it," but then it just comes and gets them. So it's beautiful. And that was I thought of you when I. When that started toward the end of the movie, started the exposure of the of the abuse mm -hmm. thoughts and memories. Yeah, because she seemed to be spinning quite a bit, but she it sounds like had never told her mother and had never taken to really expose that in, for most of her life. So that was a big, big uh, thing that she kept down there. Yeah, I've never told my parents either. Yeah, there was a woman on an online retreat very recently who um, got a hold of me, and we did talk about it. But that's that was the thing. Her her father had just um, had just died, and then all of these abuse memories were flooding into her mind and into her awareness, and. She had never spoken about anything like that, and so there's this whole thing of of going to a funeral where she's got all this stuff underneath and and uh just it just was coming so strong, so extreme because it's been hidden for so long, and then once you open it up it it does it's just like with the the whole world you start to go expose things and it it does uh, seem to be murky waters. It seems to have a lot of turbulence because everybody's kind of playing this this game of make believe and pretend and let's not talk about certain things. It's like a hiding. It's a game of hiding, and then when you turn it around, it yeah, it's quite quite intense, but also quite necessary. Yeah. Glad the movie serves that purpose, and it's serving a huge purpose. Yeah.
can sort of <clears throat> feel my heart <coughs> pounding a bit. Um, <sighs> yeah, I think one of the things for me <coughs> um, that that came up watching the movie was um, is this on? You can hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like. I guess, like the the part near the end, the part where she sort of connected a bit with purpose again, and I guess sort of that huge part of her life where she just, you know, just basically just spiraled down, and um, um, <laughs> like I feel like I think it's I don't know, it was like maybe fifteen months or more since when I left La Casa to when I sort of arrived um, a few weeks ago and I feel like like a big chunk of that period was like just feeling like I'd really spiralled and I was kind of, um, you know, for a lot of the time just like I guess just believing that I was really, you know, alone and um, <clears throat> it was like <clears throat> quite a struggle. Um <laughs> And actually, probably the thing that probably helped the most was um, was connections that I had with different ones here. There was sort of still little, like it, it, it didn't feel as as like um, as strong. It was almost like this thing was like the connection was waning. But I still had these. There were still these projects that I was doing, and I was still linking with Laverne and Jan and some other ones. And 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 then there was even a point when. Um, you know, I sort of read that Facebook message from Deanna that she was going to come to Australia and suddenly I'm having a couple of calls and it's like it was the most alive that I'd felt and, um, you know, and then when I emailed you and I was going to be coming back for a period of time, um, I was able to have these calls with uh, Jenny and Eric and just suddenly I just started feeling so much more... Like, purpose was the thing, really. I just started to feel this purpose was starting to kind of... Uh, just connecting with purpose and... I don't even really know where this is going, actually. I just kind of felt to speak. And um, I think I, I, I was share, I've shared a bit with Jan the last um, week or so. There's been some, just some, uh, I guess, disturbance in my mind of like, shit, I've, I've got a return flight. I'm, I'm, am I going back to Australia? What am I going back for? You know, and I think watching this, it sort of brought home that, you know, like, I'm afraid, uh, there's a fear of like, shit, am I just going to fall in a heap? You know, like, um, and I don't, I feel like I actually... I feel like I, I made a lot of um, I don't know what the right word is. Like I, I, I connected with with many many people in Australia, and, and it just didn't feel like anyone was really wanting to 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 hear about this or to share in what you're offering. It just wasn't going anywhere. And um, there's a fear in my mind. I was like, shit. Like I don't want to do that again. Um, and. Um, And yeah, I know. Like I, <laughs> like I think one of the things that's that's I feel like blown me away since being back this time is I, I can really see the devotion. The you know when I landed here in this house a couple of weeks back, um, 
it was quite, I found it quite disorientating for a while. Just everyone was just so, man, everyone's so focused and so, and I was like, I felt like I'd been in slow time for so long. It was like, it was really felt quite um, hard to, you know, um, Anyway, like I don't even in this moment, I don't, I don't actually feel the the disturbance. I just, I feel actually really grateful to be here. I really, I just, I've loved this whole evening and just, I don't know, laughing with Lisa over dinner and just being with everyone and and I just, I, I just love, I just love you, Dave. I love these guys. I love, I love, I love, I love the feeling of being ignited in purpose. And I'm afraid that. You know, going back is I'm just not going to be able to sort of carry that torch or hold that, um, you know, strongly. And and I don't know. Like at times, I've sort of oh well, maybe maybe I can I, I want to stay. And but like I want it, I want it, I, I want it to be true. I know it can't be. It can't come from a place of oh, I'm, I want to stay because I'm too afraid. You know what I mean? But and yeah. So anyway, I know I feel like I'm kind of <laughs> rambling on, but. Um, um, and I, I, somewhere I, I, I just still want to trust that it'll just be so obvious and it will be, it, you know, it doesn't have to be a, like a replay of something that went before. Um, and um, yeah, but I, I think partly I, I, I do want to just say, like even witnessing that, witnessing um, Whitney Houston's basically perhaps achieving everything that the world would ever esteem to be and just looking how miserable it's like well that yeah that's 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 where this that's where this world that's where that's the end goal of 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 seemingly chasing the you know the glory and the it just doesn't work and um yeah so uh Yeah, so I think my prayer would just be like, yeah, just let me be willing to to really be used and stay in purpose in a true purpose that and 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 let go of what what that's to look like where where I'm to be and but just yeah, cuz I don't I I don't know. Um I don't know and um I want to I want to stay in the sincerity of that that I really want to be using it and that movie is sort of helped that it's like well it's like chalk and cheese but one being in purpose and one just living like that or being not just not feeling motivated to get out of bed was sort of there was a big chunk of that feeling like that you know for that past year or so so yeah thank you thank you Colin yeah both with what you and, and Melissa have shared it's you know it's it it helps to shine a light on something that is dear to all of us and it's that, that we are called we have been called we cannot really 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 deny that we may have tried or we even tried repeatedly to deny the call but but there is a calling there and and of course from the bible growing up in christianity you know it's the and the chosen ones and all this stuff about the chosen ones and then clearly Jesus coming through the course and say no all are called few choose to listen you know clarifying that whole chosen one thing so beautifully 
And, and then that strikes a chord. All are called few choose to listen. And then it's starting to have to really see how important that call is. And we talked about that, I think, our last movie gathering, that how in, it was at uh, Fahrenheit 11.9, the indebtedness to Jesus, the indebtedness to the Sonship, and having to feel, feel in the core of your being how indebted you are in a good way. You know, most of us think of indebted, indebtedness is not a good thing, but to be indebted to, to Christ and indebted to the Sonship, it's like, um, you know, most of us grew up and we don't like those words, you owe me. Uh, none of us like that feeling, you owe me. But in some kind of very deep way, uh, Jesus is counting on us. In some kind of a deep way, we are needed. And it's for ourselves too. It's it's not for the benefit of, of anybody else. It's really for our mind. But there's an indebtedness to the sonship and even those metaphors in the Course, you know, God God knows that His channels are blocked. You know, it can't be that love actually can be blocked, but that's meant for us to answer the call. Like if there's a blockage, it's not really, it, truth is unchanged by, by everything because it's just all that there is. Love is all there is, truth is all there is, but it's the awareness it's really stirring up to see that we actually need the healing. We need the purpose. We need the function. The function is not cast on us. The function is for us. And you know, for me, that's why it didn't bother me in the least bit. If I couldn't sleep and I was up all hours of the night sending out emails or posting things or doing whatever I'm doing, on and on and on, it's like, yeah, who's counting? Who's counting about hours of sleep? Who's counting about hours of anything? You know, it's like, for me, it came down to really feeling it in the core, like, uh, yeah, I need to answer this call. This is important. This is more important than anything else. I had to start to realize. In fact, there was nothing else that was important. Nothing. And that's what I came to discover. Nothing of this world has any importance whatsoever. The call has all the importance. Money, nothing. Family, nothing. Friendship, nothing. It means nothing. These are concepts that were made to block the light and, and being indebted, really feeling like, wow, I am called and I, I am called and I will answer that call. That's the most important thing. And then the, the fear does leave, the doubt leaves, the hesitation leaves, the obstacles fall away. They were never really there. In answering the call, everything is is solved. There's no trials. There's no challenges. There's no tribulation. In answering the call, it's the hesitation is where the trials 
and tribulations and struggles come in. It's a hesitation. It's the thinking there's something in the little mini-me that actually has something important. Almost like, God, are you listening? I've got my needs, and it's like, you know, and I've got my plans, and it's like, yeah, if you want to make God laugh, tell him, tell God your plans. It's, it's the call, it's really tapping into that call and seeing how important that is. So, I think it, you know, yeah, you're touching on, on a very, very dear topic, you know, and it was even that last movie, it was beautiful. Melissa brought up the, the whole thing of sacrifice. Of course, if there's a belief that to answer the call requires sacrifice, then then that's something that, that is, is a dear topic to all of us. Because if if we feel like we're holding back or hesitating or we feel those doubt thoughts come in or complaints come in or, well, what about this and what about that? And well, entitlement, personal entitlement, you know, Jesus talks about entitlement in the Course. He says, you know, if you are devoted, you are entitled to devotion. Yeah, if you want entitlement, then it's like, he's like saying, be devoted to the plan of awakening and you're entitled to everything. <laughs> if you're entitled to miracles, right. That's another workbook lesson. I am entitled to miracles. Am I entitled to more space? No. Am I entitled to a better bedroom? No. <laughs> Am I entitled to more, f better food? No. Am I entitled to more sleep? No. <laughs> I, am I entitled to better treatment for my, what I've done in this world? No. <laughs> you know, it's, there's just no entitlement except for the miracles, which, which is really, we're, that's how we're set free, is through those miracles, through giving. It is through giving that we receive, not through getting. And the entitlement is a whole plan of getting. It's, it's The whole getting mechanism is tied into that false sense of uh, personal entitlement. So yeah, it's, it is, I'm so grateful to watch a movie like this and I'm also grateful for Melissa bringing up the, the whole question of sacrifice and then for Colin bringing up this thing, it, there is a deep call there, and and we are all here to acknowledge that call, you know, to lift our voices together in honoring that call, to to harmonize together in our yes to that call, and and to have our experiences be joyful. That's you know, that's what the call of the heart is. It's a call to joy. It's not a call to, like for Whitney, not wanting to get up or not not wanting to get out of bed or not wanting to face the day or, or having fears of what will happen to me, you know, in the future. It was beautiful during the, our little pizza dinner. I was talking to Emily and she was saying her father, who's come all the way from Ireland over here, you know, got his shot to talk to her about the future. Like, but what if, what will come of you in 10 years? It's like, who doesn't plan for the future? Who doesn't prepare 
what will happen to you in ten years? You know, what, you know, this, this, and she was saying, you know, well, you should, you should ask David those questions. And, and I don't want to ask David. I'm asking you. I'm asking you right now. It's like, a, like, because a, a concerned father for your well-being, you know. But, you know, but these, that does bring the, bring it for all of us, it does come around to the call, to answering the call. You know, we are, that is a topic that is dear to our hearts. And we, we think of that too, you know, we, we feel that way. We're, it's not, it's not so much friendship is based on the world or we're not trying to build something or, achieve something together or or make a difference in the world or all those different kind of things it's really i think it's comes down to that answering the call that's if you really peel everything away that's that's what we're doing it for and if that's the motive if that's the motive to truly be truly helpful to truly answer the call then i feel like there aren't any real problems that that can get in the way if you if you can honestly with integrity really feel that and answer that then then that's where that's like everything is made obvious in that yes and so for us it, to be in the big yes to i'm willing god i'm show me and i'm doing this for you because you need me and i'm doing this for jesus because you know jesus says was the first to accept his part in the plan of atonement and and as the first one to accept it is now in charge of it and 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 there is a call there and and it can't really be denied we have to really see the value of that that call Jenny you've got the microphone yeah just i mean i just felt such a call for healing cuz the whole movie was just a depiction of lack of love. Like she was, felt like she's so innocent. Her her whole being is so innocent when she grew up. And she, yeah, the way they described her was the way I felt too. Like she's so innocent. And then, like, not really taking the time and space to heal. Like she She didn't give herself the time to face something deeper just everything just went on and on so yeah just the importance to take the time and the space to heal to answer that call for healing in the mind and there was there is no answer in the world like it's like no matter how famous she got it was like you know you would believe like some kind of wise person would <laughs> appear and pull her, you know, help her out, but that didn't happen. It's like, yeah, just has to go within, or there has to be the willingness in the mind to to answer that call. Yeah, I really like the film agent there because she was the one who was watching the Diane Sawyer interview and she brought it home. She brought it back to why aren't we 
Why didn't we do an intervention? Why do, why does it have to be the the record label that says now you need to do this interview? You know, again, it's almost like the record label, the ones paying the money, the ones pulling the strings. But actually, you know, that was so beautiful. Some of them, like that that uh, film agent, you know, she's the one who also took the glasses off of Whitney. After Whitney said, that's why I'm wearing them, so you can't see my eyes. And she took them right off of her. That was very symbolic. She took the glasses off, the dark glasses off. And then she was also the one that said, why didn't we intervene? Like, And, and then she was the one that tried to get the intervention. Because she knew that she had to do something. And that she was able to, you know, try to get sissy her mother and and try to to do this and it was seemed to be the intervention was working until her father got on the phone and said you don't need to do that so that was like the voice was of the doubt. other thing the family bonding and the bobby brown the husband such special relationships they were like protecting the ego so much while it seemed like robin the friend was probably more helpful but the family bonding was so strong that to hold on to that was not really helpful. Yeah, her bodyguard did say that the reason none of them intervened is because it would hurt their own lifestyle. They're standing an agent that has a yacht and and fancy cars. All the families on the take. Um, the father is in it for the money, uh, you know, it's all part of the ego is running the show. And even the one guy who's her producer said, you know, well, he, the father, he was in it for the money. And then the money, the money, the money, it, yeah, it was, it was such a big part of the world. One guy, I think even said they didn't have any marketable skills except they were Houston's. Just their last name put them on the payroll and they had no marketable skills you know this total specialness like the movie we just saw recently down in Guadalajara the favorite for the royalty and the favoritism there was big time specialness and favoritism going in and people on the take and people on the payroll and and it, and even the bodyguard said yeah well, everybody thought she's just going to do to herself whatever she's going to do to herself, but we're not going to lose our standing, our lifestyle. We're not going to lose our link to the money over what she does. You know, it was so me, me, me. There there was no care in there, even, even the bodyguard, exposing, admitting it, you know. They're all on the take, and... And so then if you start to apply that to this world, you know, the ego likes autonomy, it likes freedom of the body, it likes pleasure, it likes distractions. It, you know, the ego is quite uh, single in its drive, in its death wish, you know, and it's um, many, many clever distortions and distractions. And it, that's why it takes a willingness to to really be very, very honest, to have a lot of integrity, to really answer the calling of your heart, to answer the calling of, of the Spirit. 
you know, it it takes you have to have a desire for it. You're not going to find the ego providing excuses to follow the spirit. You know, the ego doesn't believe in love. It, it's a death wish. So, I I think this was a good movie for just laying bare a lot of things. You know, you can you can talk about these things, but then when you see them acted out so fully, then it's just something it's sobering for the mind. It's just something sobering like, whoa, I need to really take heed and pay attention closely to my mind. Even those three lessons of the Holy Spirit, you know, in the early part of the text, you know, the first one is shocking to the ego, it's startling, it just, it rocks the ego's world. To have, give all to all. Nobody was raised with give all to all. No one was raised with that. That's just shocking. The ego would say, that's just stupid, that's just dumb. That's just gullible. Give all to all. You could hear the ego just scoffing. Ah, what ridiculous. And and it's it really reacts to the first one. And then the second one, to have peace, teach peace, to have it, you know. And it's... It's now focusing on the peace of mind. Oh yeah, that's right. Peace, peace, peace. And then, but then the third one: be vigilant for God and His kingdom. Vigilant. That's a strong word. That's he's even saying. Well, you've put effort in wandering off. Now put your effort in coming back. You know, and that's something that. If, even if people make it through the first two lessons of the Holy Spirit, they're like, oh, hell. No, it's effort. After all, it's, I gave, I had to give all to all, bah humbug, and then I have to teach peace to learn it. Ah, and then what? Effort. Now you're talking effort on the third one. And what? You're using this word vigilance. Yeah, you want me to be like a vigilante, huh? Vigilante. Yeah, vigilante for God and the kingdom. It's like, you know, that's, uh, ego does not want effort to come third. But but actually, you know, that's actually part of answering the call. We have to actually have vigilance, have to have that, put the effort in. I will not be distracted, I will not, not be dissuaded, I will not be lured off away from my calling. I will not put other idols before the Lord thy God. I will not put other idols before my calling. You know, the calling comes first. People may wonder, what do you guys even talk about in the temple? When you're sitting there in the living room and it's all echoing and you can't really hear each other. Or, <laughs> what, or if you're in the kitchen, what are you actually talking about? Well, we're talking about the calling. We're talking about the calling. We're talking about answering the call. We don't use the word vigilant very often, but we're talking about really putting the effort, putting the effort into answering the call. Yeah, yeah. We'll be transparent. That's what we're talking about. It's another calling talk. <laughs> The hundred million, millionth calling talk. <laughs> yeah.
That's good. Good stuff. Hannah's down. Do we have the f microphone down there? Yes, as I saw the beginning of this movie where like the first time she's singing in the television, that beautiful, beautiful song that they repeat at the end. Like she's just calling for home, like calling for that love so strong and it's like when I feel that in my heart it's like I feel alive. And when I forget, I just feel like I'm dead, like her her conflict, like when she was down in hell somehow. Like such a big contrast to the end, like where she's dying, and then this song again comes up. It's like... And somehow it's like, how do I keep that? Like, how do I keep that purpose so strong all during the day because it's like I just keep forgetting I forget and then okay I remember and then I forget again and forget for longer hours and then I remember and but it's like yeah, it's like when I feel that it's like like somehow that's why I came here like I don't know how to say it but I want to remember I want to remember and somehow I keep forgetting And even when she's singing, like, I have listened to some of her songs. And, like, for example, this last one when she's singing, I can't hold this passion inside. Like, it's like all the doors are opening or something. And she says, I can't hold this passion inside. It's like somehow, like, how I feel. And... And I just, yeah, for example, that song I have put in repeat and repeat, like maybe the lyrics don't really make sense, but there's just this part where she's saying, I can hold it inside, like this passion. And it's like I want to feel like that. Like It's like I'm always, almost like asking you, can you feel that passion all through the day? Like I just want to feel that. I want to feel alive all through the day. Yeah, that's the the discovery. Really, that's why we have come together. Is to discover that why why did the the monks come up with Gregorian chants to chant together? Because they were trying to do what you're talking about to remember that passion, to remember that connection. Why do we do movie gatherings? You know, are we trying to change the world? No. Are we trying to make 
Chapala and Ihihik a better place? No. It, it, there's, we're just not here to improve personalities or improve places or whatever, but, you know, why do we use base camp? It's for the same reason. Why, do, why does Lilo put out the community news for the same reason? Why do we have projects for the same reason? You know, why have an outing? Why share together? You know, it's, it's all for that reason, to keep that passion alive, to remember better. And yeah, there's this whole cosmos came about from an amnesia, a forgetting of God. We forgot God. So now it's time to flip it around and we're practicing our best at forgetting this world. You know, I mean, I, I do have conversations most every week. I'll be chatting. I was talking the other day with uh, Helena over there and she's, she's following along in the speakers and she's watching movies and she said, oh, sometimes I just, I just soar and I go and I go and I go and I go and I don't want to come back. Don't want to come back. Don't want to remember the earth. I don't want to remember time. I don't want to remember the flesh. You know, I want to ignite. I want to remember God. In in a world which is all about achieving and attaining and accumulating and possessing and controlling and learning and everything like this, it's just good to start to come to that point in your mind where it's like enough is enough. Now I actually like that song at the beginning, wanting to go home. That was what the whole song, and then it was beautiful that they played it in the end, because it, it really, that was the spiritual aspect of this, this movie. That was her first television performance, and she sang that song, No Accident, and then at the end of this movie, it came around to that, I want to go home. Don't make it hard, you know. And so it's, that's, that is the reason why we join together, is, is we're here to, to help encourage, we're here to nurture, we're here to remind, we're here to, to put that out and say, yeah, it's, I'm, I, I want to remember, I want to remember all through the day. Or as some of you are doing the lessons, you know, we just recently are getting into those meditation lessons. It is quite possible to reach God. In fact, it is quite easy. It's the only natural thing in this world. In a world of distractions and false pursuits, reaching God is the only natural thing. And that's, that's what we just talked about. That's what answering the call is, is, is putting that prominently in your mind and just saying, I, I want this. I really want to remember God. And I want this above all else. And we have workbook lessons and we have all kinds of different reminders and mechanisms. And, and that's the most important thing, you know. And even the ones that seem to be around you as witnesses in the community, 
you know, are there because they want the same thing. They're not here for any other reason. They wouldn't be in your awareness if they didn't want that. And if people come to the point and they go, well, I still don't, I'm not sure, I th still think I may want this, or I may want that. You know, you, this was a great movie. You could see, you could see these thoughts playing out. Sissy, a great singer, she sings backup for Aretha Franklin, the queen, and she doesn't, her career doesn't quite take off like Aretha's. Her career isn't like Diana Ross and the Supremes, you know. She's not s singing like that, and and so she's a bit unfulfilled. And then there's a beautiful scene in there where she's—it's Sissy singing to Whitney, "You're my dream, you're my dream." Oh yeah, you're my unfulfillment, right in front of me, and everything that I didn't do, everything that I failed at. I'm going to pass on to you now, and I want you to carry it, and you fulfill my dream. Not fulfill in the sense of the happy dream that Jesus is talking about, where you, a dream of non-judgment, where you let the world go, but no fulfillment of successful. You will be the success that I wasn't. I was just listening to uh, something that Dalai Lama said on Twitter a couple, maybe yesterday or the day before, it was something like, um, we don't need any more successful people in this world. <laughs> Dalai Lama's like, let's call it off. No more successful people. We need compassionate people. We need people who are in their heart. Let's get some of those in here. That's what we need. We're reaching a dangerous point here. And we don't need not a single more successful person. No, no more. We could say, no, Wall Street, stop that there. No, no. You're going for a singing career? No, no, no. You're going to be a great basketball player like Michael Jordan? No, no. We don't need a Dr. J or a Michael Jordan. We don't need any more successful people. I'm happy to look around at all of you. <laughs> and you definitely are a group of unsuccessful people. Uh, and I'm happy to say... <laughs> And put it out on Spreaker. This is this is the, the biggest group of unsuccessful people ever. <laughs> but it's absolutely necessary because, you know, we don't need no education. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we we really don't need success because we're going in a different direction. We're going for joy, happiness, glee, playfulness. And you're not going to reach that trying to reach some artificial ego standards. And, and then even amongst our daily life, as you're waking up and going through your day in La Casa, you know, that it's to let the inspirations come through. What is it that inspires me? Chances are it will also be inspiring for those around you as well. And then that that's like answering the call. That's part of getting getting into that. That's why we're focusing so much on prayer now. Like if they come to us and they go, Are, is your group productive? And it's like, well, I don't know about productive, but we are focused on prayer. 
prayer. We're we're praying to be shown the way. We're praying to let the Spirit use whatever seeming skills, abilities, anything at all that seems to even be here in a very temporary way. Let it be used to glorify the One. Let it be used for happiness. Let it be used for joy. Let it be used to know God's will, which is for perfect happiness. That's what we're doing. But it's that's very different. And, and But we're not trying to fit in to the world. This isn't about fitting in. Those words, free spirit, to be true free spirit. Not to buy into these past things. Because you could, if you really sit back and watch this movie, you could see there was a lot of unfulfillment and then there was this like a drive to be successful and then when Whitney came along, everybody was like, ah, there's the one. That's going to be my success ticket. Whatever I didn't do, she's going to do. And then, and it was just unhappiness for everybody. The success didn't yield the happiness. They didn't really look like a happy group. We first watched this movie and Suava was shaking her head like, with a family like that, <laughs> you know, with a, you know, it was, it wasn't a sense of like nurturing and care, bragging about drugs, talking about control, talking about money and wanting to achieve things. You know, even the way they looked at getting getting out of uh, Newark and going over to Orange, you know. Like, our parents worked hard and sacrificed so we could move to Orange. They still had the same struggles and the same issues in Orange. Just moving up a little on the socioeconomic ladder did not solve anything. And moving 20 miles or whatever out of Newark didn't solve anything. And even the, the mansions, the big beautiful house in Georgia in the woods and all the different things it doesn't really solve anything you know your mind goes with you wherever you go until you light up in your mind then it's just gonna the darkness will seem to just be reflected around you that's just the way that it works so we're just we're you know, again, thank you, Anna, for bringing that up because that that is very important. That is back to that answering that call, and and it is very important. And it is. It seems as if if you've been used to sleepwalking, and then you have these moments of joy and passion and love coming, and then you you see the contrast. But it's you know it's it's a big difference between being enraptured in the love and, and feeling like a zombie, like just a, a walking dead. One is boring and wearying and suffocating and dark and the other is just gloriously bright. And, and it was great in this movie to see her in her younger days, you know, just smiling and, and singing and she said, we had to go to church and I loved every minute of it, you know. She 
she was appreciative. They were grateful and then, and I think that's most churches and everything, you know, if their focus is on Jesus, it's just really like how focused on Jesus do we get? The more focused on Jesus that we get, the clearer it, it comes in, the more joy there is. And the more that the ego tries to turn it into something else, which it's quite clever at turning a church into a, a political system, or turning a church into an organization that's got infighting and bickering and Even with even with us being guided to start a church, you know, I was like, all right, okay, if that's the guidance, we'll do it. But I said, if these board meetings ever turn political into bickering and actual voting and everything like this, then I'm resigning. I will not be a part. The board meetings better be a party, because if it ceases to be a party, then it ceases to be something I will participate in. And that's been the whole key, you know, is keeping it joyful, keeping it loving, rendering unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and unto God's that which is God's. And in the end, you want to give it all to God. You want to be happy. You want to be living in the joy that the Creator, the Source, gave it the, uh, eternally. That's what we're, we're coming back to, to remember. Yeah. You'll find that with a lot of countries. <laughs> oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. We stand on guard for thee. <laughs> if we, listen, if we wanted to have a fun night, we could just sing a bunch of national anthems. <laughs> But actually, that was Whitney. Whitney did a. She they 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 were very upset. The ones playing the music behind her, but she took it to the instead of three four. She took it to four four, and you saw the witnesses light up. Oh, they loved it. That was their. They loved Whitney. They loved it because the, and you heard the witnesses. She put the spirit into it. She, it was the spirit. It was the spirit. She, she, even with a war song, it wasn't in the lyrics. She, she, she just listened to it one time and did a first take and, and let the spirit come through her. And, and, you know, it wasn't like a bunch of guys chasing a little big pigskin ball around there. Nobody, and, and they forgot all the war lyrics and, the bombs bursting in air. <laughs> she <laughs> gave proof through the night that our flag was still, you know. <laughs> well, we're just having a good time here in Mexico. <laughs> Dan has just heard the the Star Spangled Banner lyrics for the first time. <laughs> She's just like shaking her head like. <laughs> it stood out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, in case you haven't noticed, in the history of this world, there's a lot of wars and they like to celebrate winning the wars. And we just went down to see this movie, what was it called? The Favorite. And uh, this queen, remember she kept, they kept coming to her. It was the English and the French that were battling it out in that one, in the background. Yeah. But... Thankfully, we didn't have to listen to the the, Brit the British or the French uh, national anthem in that movie. God save our queen, and they did report last week that uh, they're afraid with Brexit. They do have contingency plans to evacuate the queen. No lie. Because of what's coming up with Brexit on March 28th. If the people get too unruly and there's too many riots and protests, they do have an actual plan to evacuate the queen. God save our queen. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's a good one. Thank you all. Thanks for coming. Thanks for remembering the call. <laughs> Instead of the war. Forget the war, remember the call. <laughs>